0: Welcome, everyone, to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Josie Nicholson. She is the Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Psychology at Ole Miss and a former chair of the Counseling and Clinical Sports Psychology Association. Uh, She has an amazing academic record and, of course, in the field of sports psychology, uh, certainly all over the South and across the country. Uh, I've watched your talks. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, Josie, let's take a little bit of a 30,000 view at this point. Uh, Overall, how would you assess where we are with student-athletes in dealing and sharing the mental health issues that they may be facing?
1: It's been unprecedented how the momentum behind um, mental health Um, advocacy and athletes being given a space to um, advocate for themselves and discuss mental health struggles that they've been all the way from the professional and collegiate space and it's just been amazing this momentum that is really shaping the conversation uh, now and it's been it's been picking up speed uh, for three to four years and I, I think the Pandemic just launched it.
0: So obviously, we've seen plenty of professional athletes, college athletes, be very open about their personal struggles. Um, you know, in the spring, we've had multiple tragedies. I mean, at what point would you determine that we're also in a bit of a crisis?
1: Uh, about two years ago, <laughs> um, and that's national. That's not unique to um, to athletics. Uh, you know, it's something that. Uh, in the American Psychological Association and and also just more um, pop psych spaces uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the mental health crisis that we're facing here uh, across the nation at all levels it's um, it's difficult for uh, the the field the providers to keep up with the demands and um, to reshape spaces so that access is easier and so yeah I mean I think just across the board, we're in a mental health crisis. And then in athletics, it just created this perfect storm where, you know, athletes are experiencing the weight and the, the pressure and the ambiguity and uncertainty that the pandemic brought. And it's not really been fully addressed um, because they just kind of got, um, you know, placed right back in that pressure cooker without a lot of processing. Um, So I I think that's been something that has created this crisis in athletics as well.
0: So let's peel back the process. Um, When a student athlete gets on campus, and I know you can't speak to every campus, but in general, or or what should go on, uh, what are the chances that that student athlete, an incoming freshman a transfer a new person to the sports psychologist, the therapist, the mental health professional, at what point do the new people on campus go through an intake process to get a baseline of where they are? That is
1: such an interesting question because it is the topic of conversation and has been. Pre-participation screening is something that every athlete goes through. And in the NCAA best practices, that was something that was highlighted as important that a mental health component be incorporated into that pre participation screening. However, every campus does it differently. There's no, there's not a uniformity to it um, because each campus is unique in its ability to provide those resources. Although, you know, I believe that. I, I'm an optimist (laughs) and I really believe in the good of people and and that people are doing the best that they can. So I think that campuses face their unique challenges in providing those resources, but that's gonna make the process look different um, at different levels. Division three is very different from division one. And so there is something in place on campuses, it, I would not call it an intake. For some, it's a short questionnaire. For others, it's, it's a pretty involved process. So things are so different on each and every campus. Um, the, just also uh, related to that, becoming aware of the resources is different on every campus. And I don't know, for people that have gone through orientation sessions to um, university life, whether it's athletics or not, Um, with a um, with a child knows there is an enormous amount of information coming at them for those two days and it's very difficult to retain all that information so even if they are told that there's a resource if it's not on their mind that that's something that they would need or that they would want it kind of slips through the cracks in terms of retention so uh so yeah even that is different on every campus
0: and what i'm getting at josie is that you know it's sort of and the stigma issue i want to get to you here in a little bit but um is including this aspect because we're so driven to deal with the body and the strength of the body and where you are with that and your injuries your physical injuries and not the mind um obviously you can have a strong body but if you're don't have a strong mind it Really doesn't matter. And in the recruiting process, I'm just curious: at what point should even, like I'm saying, some sort of basically just some sort of information be a, a, available to a prospective student-athlete who's coming onto your campus, whether they're a four-year transfer or a high school student, about uh, just where they are, and and offering as that coach, as that athletic department personnel that you have these options uh, at your disposal, so to speak, um, when you get here?
1: My opinion is that smart recruiting involves it from the very, very get-go because you want to make sure that athletes, as well as their parents and guardians, understand that this university is going to provide every resource, resource possible to help you be as successful as you want to be, and that includes nutrition, that includes practice facilities, that includes strength and conditioning, that includes um, sport psychology from the mental health to performance enhancement aspect. So my belief is that from, from day one, it's like you want to go here because we have these resources and brag on Brag on the um, registered dietitians, brag on the sports psychology staff uh, and the mental health professionals because it is a very important resource. I also think that the conversation is shifting a little bit so that there's more and more recognition that the mind and the body are not two separate things, that when you improve one, the other improves as well. And so we are holistic beings. And so, putting the, um, for lack of a better phrase, the best product on the field involves caring for all of all of that
0: well and and you have been a proponent of dealing with the whole person um and i think that also in terms of knocking down the stigma mental health discussion or meeting with a therapist um is not necessarily you know just anxiety depression it could be that you have a block that you can't hit free throws anymore and you need to get over that hurdle so that's part how do you work through the stigma that there are other ways to seek mental health help that uh, you know, can, can help you perform on the field, not necessarily just related to um, any real, you know, real deep personal struggle that you may be going through.
1: So there's a great kind of axiom in sports psychology that you don't have to be sick to want to get better. So approaching it in that way. Um, I use a lot of analogies, uh, and I think it reaches um, athletes pretty well to say, you know, hey, let's say that you want to get stronger, right, you go to the gym. Well, when you're at the gym, we, you know how to work out, you've been doing it for your life, but you still have a strength and conditioning coach that's going to guide you, that's going to say, I've received this education, I'm knowledgeable in this area, I know how to tailor your workout to help you reach your goals and so, going into the gym is something that athletes just do, and they don't have to be weak to want to be stronger. And they use the guidance of an educated, uh, credentialed professional. And so, it's the same with mental health that you can always improve the mental side of your game, and you don't have to wait until there's a huge problem. And you know, you there are uh, licensed people there that have the education that could help you be successful in that area too.
0: So I, I, you're dovetailing right here also in the physical space. I'm curious what you think of this. Obviously there are some times when you may be seeking therapy that's deeply personal and you might want that kind of privacy, but to what you're talking about, what are the chances we could get to a point where the sports psychologist, a mental health professional, is positioned literally near the athletic training room, near the training table, so that it's taken that, okay, you're going to work out, you're going to get taped, oh, and if you need to talk to someone, that person is over here, that it is seen as part of the whole person of building that student athlete. I get it if sometimes it's a deeper issue and you want privacy on another part of campus, but in this context, When can we get to that point logistically putting that person in that space? So here's what's cool. It's happening at certain
1: places. Every university is different and some universities have um, more familiarity with this resource than others. I've been at Ole Miss for over 10 years, embedded in athletics, developing these relationships with coaches and administrators. So I'm, you know, very fortunate in my position that I have that kind of buy-in where, you know, I I say, hey, I need to um, use an office down in the indoor practice facility. Uh, I walk around um, and, you know, there'll be football players that stop me. that are like, hey, you were saying something the other day in our group meeting about overthinking. Can you remind me of that? And so it's just kind of those one-off conversations. And then I have others that text me that say, hey, can we meet in your office, which is in a more, it's accessible, but it's in a more um, private location. So I think it's happening on different campuses. There are campuses where the um, mental health professional is located right near the training room. And again, that's super awesome for some and problematic for others. But I think more and more we're seeing that mental health professionals are Um, being relied on for input into these things like hey where's a good place for offices is there a makeshift office how would that work if you know every now and then you were to come down and be uh and just be available you know I I have an office that I appropriate at the golf house and it's just because that's where they are and um and so I sit there and they could come in and it's not a big deal um so yeah i think it is getting there the more embedded a mental health professional is in terms of how long they've been there the relationships they have and the buy-in they have from coaches and administrators which is getting greater and greater uh the the more that shift is going to be natural
0: so i'm sure there's a lot on your plate at a school like old miss uh we talked about this last week obviously every school in division one two three have different missions different funding Um, But there's a real problem in rural America, rural campuses. Um, At what point are we getting to where those kinds of schools can rely, hopefully, or be encouraged to use telehealth? Um, Because obviously there is a need, no question, for more mental health professionals, but there's just not enough people, especially for remote parts or rural parts of America.
1: And that is such a tough question. And it's not just unique, again, not a unique problem to um, athletics. I think that community mental health resources are so overtaxed. Uh, Telehealth is problematic in some ways and a godsend in others, but the, the demand right now is greatly outweighing the supply. And, and so that's a problem across the board. I think that there are um, universities, particularly smaller universities that are being creative and looking at ways to tap into the campus resource of um, the, the counseling center and understanding that um, they need some additional training in the culture of athletics they may need to be flexible on some hours and things like that so, it's happening where these conversations are coming up where how can we be creative in providing this resource? You know, there's some um, there's some companies that do exclusively telehealth um, talk space. It's not um, ideal by many people's um, opinion, but it's something. So I think there are efforts being made to be creative. I think funding is a big issue. and you know, not to go down a rabbit hole that'll put me on a soapbox, but you know, part of the issue is how poorly mental health is covered by insurance companies.
0: Yeah, no, no question about that. I, you know, I wanna also dive into um, this generation. We know mental health issues have been around forever um, but social media hasn't, uh, someone misses a field goal and their social media is you know, blown up in an awful manner, can really have an effect on that person, um, you know, threats, you name it. Uh, how has this generation been really affected in the mental health space by all the stressors that are on these student athletes?
1: It's been a profound um, impact. Social media has brought things so public um, and the criticism, but also the spotlight. And look at how early recruiting is starting and how early offers are going out and how these aspirations of playing collegiate uh, sports is um, you know, more steeped, I think, in this generation than it certainly was when I was coming up. And, and the grind of high school sports and travel ball and all that stuff just instills in them like, this, you have to rise to this level of perfection and excellence to get to these, um, these dreams and these goals. And it creates such a, um, such an issue because, you know, there's the identity piece where athletes younger and younger are over identifying with what they do. What they're, who they are in terms of an athlete and not developing other aspects of their identity. So it becomes all, all those eggs in this um, basket of what they put out. And it's, it's hard because um, social media creates a comparison game. You never win a comparison game. There's always somebody better. There's always somebody. So it's, it is just really a pressure cooker earlier and earlier
0: you know one thing that we were discussing also on the show um you know with female athletes uh while it's been tremendous the growth uh the high profile nature the television everything but with that comes more stress more pressure and then you know you're told be strong be physical and then suddenly Uh, oh, wait, you're too muscular, too physical, and that can lead to eating disorders and all sorts of things that go on. Um, What have you found in the, uh, in, in that space, working with female student athletes of the stresses and pressures that they have now been going through in the last, really, you could say the last two to five years, as their exposures have increased dramatically and their demands on their time and performance?
1: So I will say something first of all that um, that just needs to be said that men suffer in that way as well. I was gonna. I want to discuss the
0: men here in a second.
1: Okay. Okay. So I'll I'll table that because that is really really important. Oh no,
0: I know. I definitely yes definitely.
1: Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, I think you know women are so relational and um, there's. There's such a um, pressure to please in many ways, but held to the standard of you have to be strong, which is interpreted a lot of times as not emotional, and women are criticized for being too emotional. But then they're also criticized for being, um, you know, uh, hardened or other words, you know, for that we tend to use for assertive women, women. Or um, we say you know, you have to be um, really good and confident, but you can't be arrogant. And we don't criticize men in that same way when they, you know, celebrate after a big touchdown. We don't say, man, he's so arrogant. But we will say that when, you know, a woman is is celebrating in that same way. And it really is um, something that women, Men as well, but again, culturally, it's a little different. um, Take to heart. And there's this desire to be so perfect and overachieving. And, you know, that's one thing when we get into the space of um, people that are really struggling. It, It always baffles me when the media is like, they were so successful and they were doing all these different things and they were top of their class and they were winning these, you know, accolades and they were doing right. These are the people (laughs) that are not okay with less than perfection. And it is so difficult because we get praised for all those things. We very rarely hear, man, look at the effort that she gave,
0: you know? So on the men's side, uh, you know, huge credit to athletes like Kevin Love, Michael Phelps, who have shared their personal struggles and there's plenty of others at the professional level. And I think we're seeing more at the collegiate level. Um, At what point uh, you know, you work at an sec school. I mean, at what point are we getting to where it is okay, not to be okay uh, you know, in sports like football and you name it. And to tell the coach, you know what? I need a couple of days. Um, You know, I, I can't come to practice today. Because maybe this is the only time that I can see my therapist and I really need to see my therapist. Um, And that's going to help the team, me, you, long-term. I need to take care of that now. If it was an ankle, a shoulder, coach would say, make sure you go to treatment, get your treatment. But if it's the mind, you know, we're still not there yet, that that's okay. How far away are we?
1: Oh man, Um, this is where my optimism is challenged a bit because I see us two step forward, one step back. Sometimes I feel like it's one step forward, two steps back. Um, But I see coaches that are buying in, that are sending that message to their players. I have seen that message come from our staff here at at Ole Miss for football and for basketball and, and other sports. And so I'm seeing the message, you know, you look at coach day at Ohio state, amazing. And so when that message is sent, I think that um, that's where it starts. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be on the athlete to be so brave to be willing to risk the ire of the coach or disappointing this person. It really needs to come from the staff. And I know when I'm introduced, a lot of times it's like, Hey, use this resource, you know, this is going to help you be better. And, and there's almost like a, why wouldn't you want to be better when, when I'm introduced? And, you know, one good thing is that I have um, two other full-time clinicians that work with me. So um, that really helps out in terms of being able to um, quickly respond to people who are reaching out because it's a hard, it's a hard thing to reach out and then you got to wait two weeks, you know, that's tough. So I think, we are getting there in some places, and I see a wave of coaches that, are, that get it. And I think that that is changing the landscape. Um, so the more coaches speak out and say, this is important. Um, I know that athletic trainers are really um, <laughs> some of the most important staff on the campus. And so, having athletic trainers that get it, um, which I really don't know that I've met one that doesn't so that we can work together to say, Hey, this is an injury. Can we put the brakes on? And when that coach trusts the athletic trainer, um, that they don't have to go into detail as to why they need to take today out of practice. Uh, it goes so such a long way.
0: When you speak, uh, to student athletes, um, What are the most important messages that you need to get through to your population?
1: There's there's a lot. I would think that um, one of the most important messages that I have is that they are so much more than their sport that when they develop themselves outside of their sport that only makes them better in their sport. Because it gives them the freedom to not put their entire identity on the line when they're trying to succeed in one area. And so that is really important. I think um, the message that they are cared about as a person, um, the message that it is normal to struggle with things. I mean, If you go through this life, especially in the past several years, and not have some really hard hitting questions, that's not normal. <laughs> you know? And so um, encouraging and sending the message, like we all need the foxhole people. It doesn't have to be a licensed mental health professional, but it does need to be somebody that you're not worried about burdening or you're not worried about saying, hey, I'm really struggling and having them worry that you can just say it and know that's a safe place for me. So um, I think those are really important messages.
0: Last thing I want you to to send a message, if you could, please. Um, To those that hire, to the athletic directors, to the presidents, what would you tell them? As we know, every campus is different, every mission, every budget. But at this moment in time, in these athletic departments, what do they need to do?
1: I think that it's so important for athletic departments to understand that we cannot do things the way that we have done them all along and say it's gonna be as successful as it was. There is not a greater resource that you can invest in than the athlete themselves. So when you provide them the resource to address the whole person, That is going to um, put so much more quality on the field than an extra uniform, you know, or a really shiny set of helmets, or, um, you know, all these different things. Looking for licensed uh, and competent mental health professionals because they can, if they are really good clinicians then they can learn um, and get more education in the performance enhancement aspect. Uh, But being able to invest in that is going to have such greater yield. And I hate to put it in terms of, here's where you get the most bang bang for your buck. Because it's it's not like that. But there is a reality that budgeting is such a, um, it, it, it can really hold athletic departments back when there's so much um, demand around, well, we need this because it has to be the best for recruiting. And so investing in this area as a recruiting tool as well, and knowing that that's going to do so much more.
0: Well, I could talk to you for hours. Um, And I know, unfortunately, um, you know, we we can't go on forever, but uh, uh, just love having you here. Uh, You're an incredible resource, not just for Ole Miss, but uh, obviously your community and in college athletics. Dr. Josie Nicholson from Ole Miss. Um, Appreciate your time. Be well. And as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.